Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and I'm so excited to be here. I know it's been a minute, um, but I'm very excited to be recording a solo episode for you today. Um, it's been since July, which is crazy. I've in the two and a half almost years that I've been doing this, I feel like I've never taken a break for that long. Um, so thank you to everyone who reached out and inquired about the lifespan of the podcast. Um, I'm still in the game, but just needed a bit of a break and it wasn't even intentional. I mean, life just kind of happened fast. And so yeah, we're here. It's December. That's insane to me. Um, but I'm really grateful for those of you who are new here. Welcome. And for those who are returning, welcome back. Okay, so why now? Maybe you might be asking. Um, I've had a lot on my mind specifically related to creation and our relationship to consumerism versus creation. Uh, I kind of want to call it actually consuming versus contributing because I feel like creation can be kind of intimidating word for a lot of people and also with um, content creation being such a hot term right now um, that's not necessarily what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at more is what do you contribute versus what do you consume? How do they relate to each other? Uh, Which one do you do more of and which one do you maybe want more of in your life? And I'm going to try to keep it neutral when I talk about both of those things because I think consuming can have a lot of negative connotations. Contributing can have a lot of positive connotations. But obviously, there are situations where um, consuming can be good when it's maybe learning-based, education-based knowledge versus contributing can be bad (laughs) if you're... um, fueling fires that uh, you should be help putting out. So just from a neutral perspective, I feel like I've been consuming more than I've been contributing. And that is an adjustment that I want to make. And part of that, I think, is um, reactivating this community because I've had so many wonderful conversations with different people over the past two years. And I've learned so much. um, And I hope that sharing these conversations has brought some level of has been useful has been helpful has been insightful to those listening at least that's the goal so I'm back I'm ready I'm ready to go um but I think we might need a little bit of a recap first just to catch everyone up with this large gap (laughs) that I've left from July until now Uh, For starters, I went on my mom's tour of Ireland, Ergo Tours. This was my second time going with Ergo Tours. We've been going to Ireland every other year since I was a kid to visit cousins, but my mom started this company in 2017. She had previously hosted a lot of tours of Ireland in the 90s with her high school students. Um, Actually, the first time I was there, I was five and it was with her high schoolers on a spring break. Um, My brother was three and we had a blast, of course, with all the high schoolers just doting over us probably. Um, So this was the second time with Ergo Tours and it was fantastic. My mom has to be probably the most 
knowledgeable historically and just culturally um, person I know. Uh, For those of you who know her, you know that she is a teacher at heart um, and that definitely translates into her tour company. She just knows so much and it, it blows my mind all the time. She once talked to me about like helping actually lead the tour, <laughs> um, which I've, I've helped kind of as like a right-hand man, but never, I, I just the idea of leading that and knowing, learning and remembering all the things that she knows is extremely intimidating. That's how um, knowledgeable and charismatic she is when she teaches you. So on top of it being incredibly educational, it's also so much fun. She really involves local communities as well, both in the music scene and involves local historians and individuals who can help lead us through these landmarks. She knows all the spots, I gotta say, and all the right people to make it a very special trip. We went all over the country um, and it was a lot of fun. This was, in addition to this being my second time on Ergo Tours, in 2011, she did a tour with my performance troupe. There ended up being 53 of us because so many parents and siblings wanted to go. And we traveled the country. We performed in a few different counties and just had a blast for like 10 days. So if you have ever wanted to go to Ireland or um, have been but would appreciate a really fantastic guide I highly recommend Ergo Tours. I'm actually pretty envious because I think my brother and my dad are both going this summer, which means there will be even more music than usual. So if you're curious, let me know or visit her website, ergotours.com. Yeah, so that was July. That was a big part of my summer. And of course, I went to the beach with my family as well. The summer was just, I feel like, felt like one of the first more normal summers since the pandemic started. So that was really special. Throughout the summer, my roommate and I were also uh, running a bit of a writing collective. We kind of met weekly. It was a little bit, could be sparse in between with vacations and things, but um, met frequently enough to, I think, get the ball rolling on some of our personal projects and Cameron actually put up her one-woman show Confessions of a Wannabe Slut in September and I mention it because it's something that I think we dreamt about in college just the idea of putting up a show in New York um, something that we either wrote or produced together or worked on in some capacity And so to see her really just excel um, and make that happen was so exciting. And on top of the challenge of just like doing a one woman show, being the writer, being the performer and funding it, it's it's a tall order and she did an amazing job. So I just want to give that a bit of a shout out because um I think it can be really easy to procrastinate on goals like those because you don't even know where to begin. So just kudos to her for actually just doing it and doing it so well. 
Okay, what else? I helped run Mad Week, which is a Irish music art and dance week in the DC area that happens over the summer. That was a load of fun. Um, Traveled around a bit more, went to a best friend's wedding, moved, and had some pretty big work-related events, um, a birthday, and some other personal creative things have happened since I last recorded. So in this episode, um, I kind of want to fast forward to October, which in my opinion, turns out to be the most stressful month of all in a lot of ways. And don't get me wrong, I love the fall. I love autumn. I love um, it getting a little bit chillier and the leaves changing. Um, Halloween, of course, and I don't know, just the the cozy things that come along with October. But um, I think maybe because September still can feel like It has the energy of late summer that everything happens kind of all at once in October or or maybe September you're like prepping for the things that have that are happening in October. Um, At least that's kind of what happened to me this year. It ended up being a little bit of a blur. But this one week in particular was looming over my head for probably two or three months because there were just multiple important things happening within a matter of days. Um, And it was the kind of things where you're like, okay, once I get to that thing, it's going to be great. And then it's going to be over and then it's on to the next. And figuring out how to actually look forward to them without being overwhelmed and then actually enjoying them while you're there before it's over. It's like, it's kind of a mind game. Um, so this particular week began with something very exciting. It was my friend Lauren's wedding. It was beautiful. But of course, you have the anxiety of, oh my God, I can't get sick before this because I would just be devastated if I missed it. So there's kind of like that stress. Um, I did make it. It was beautiful and very special as many friend weddings are. It was just, it was so great to see two people that clearly love each other so much take that step so that was a good one that was a good way to start the week but it was followed by uh this big work event that i had we have this book um i don't know if i should name it or not but i guess it doesn't matter um it's called Ghetto Gastro presents Black Power Kitchen. And if you know me, you've heard me talk about this ad nauseum. And if you don't know me, I'll give you a little description really quickly because if you're looking for any last minute Christmas holiday shopping, um, I highly recommend it. Okay. Part cookbook, part manifesto. Created with big Bronx energy, Black Power Kitchen combines 75 flavor-packed, mostly plant-based recipes with immersive storytelling, diverse voices, and striking images to celebrate Black food and Black culture and provoke larger conversations about race, history, food and quality, and how eating well is a tool for self-empowerment. So the book is written by these three guys who call themselves Ghetto Gastro, and they're just doing amazing work. Um, and it was a really special thing to work on. Um, and I bring it up specifically because of this particular event that happened this very crazy week that I uh, started to mention. So we had a big launch event for the book at the Met. 
which was very exciting. I, I don't think that we've done an in-person event since before the pandemic. And it was obviously a big deal to us. It was like really cool working with the special events team there and just seeing it come to life. Um, but of course this was happening on like the Wednesday of the week after the wedding. And then the Thursday I was asked to moderate an author event for someone who I've actually had on the podcast before. I was so nervous to moderate this event live. And of course, I've interviewed plenty of people on here, but I get to go in and edit. Like, I know it's kind of live to us, but um, there is some comfort in it being behind a microphone behind a screen that I kind of have control over afterwards versus a literal live event that um, I have to be in my opinion far more prepared for in a way so all of that happening at once was not ideal on top of the fact that um, I was moving at the end of the month. And that was an extremely, extremely stressful moving process. I'll get into that in a bit. But to focus briefly on this event, this moderated event, it was in Staten Island, which for starters, I have not spent any time on. Um, It was also earlier in the evening. So I realized that a lot of people Um, If you're getting off work, they might not make it onto the ferry to make it to this particular event. Um, And I also think the team hosting it didn't really publicize it all that much. So obviously I'm a little stressed and um, probably overprepared at this point, just nervous. And I get to the event with the author and no one showed up at least in the first five minutes or so uh we get there and the people hosting it the woman hosting it was like oh you didn't get my message um no one rsvp'd i i don't think anyone's coming and we looked at each other like oh no like we kind of knew this was a possibility but uh, we've come all this way and obviously we still want to have a good conversation. So um, that's what we said. We said we're still down to do it. And if if anyone joins us, that's great. Um, if not, it is what it is. We're already here. We're going to stay. <laughs> so um, we did end up having about five or six people in the audience, which was good. It was definitely nicer to have a few more bodies in the house. Um, and it ended up being a great conversation, which I, I knew it would be. I love talking to this author and, um, he's so generous with his stories and his time. And I think looking back, I feel like the anxiety leading up to things like that can really rob me from, um, scheduling them. (laughs) or saying yes to them, or just doing them. And it's always less scary when it happens. It's always less intimidating than it can be in my head. Um, And that night came, and it went, 
And it was like these months of thinking about it, of overthinking about it. For what? You know, it's just a conversation. Like, it's not something that's too new to me. Um, and I would 100% do it again. And just knowing that it's done, it's been done once and that I could do it again, I, I think this is my way of suggesting that if there's something out there that you want to try, just do it once, you know? If it crashes and burns, it crashes and burns, but you've done it once and you know whether or not you want to do it again. Um, but the odds are higher that that will not be the outcome and that it will actually be probably less intimidating than it was in your head, at least if you relate to those feelings. And on top of that, it was just extremely rewarding. I mean, when I talk about consuming versus contributing, this is kind of what I'm talking about. Um, contributing to a conversation, saying yes just to the opportunity, putting yourself in an environment where you know that um, you can learn and grow. I think those are great ways to contribute to the world around you especially when we are designed to consume so much and have so much consumption just at our fingertips uh, on a daily basis. That's so normalized. And I don't know, just considering where can, where can you make contribution more a part of your life? And I think that can just start with the environments you put yourself in. What are you surrounded by? Who are you surrounded by? What are you doing there? Like, are you, even if you're just in a pub playing music, and obviously that's an example that um, <laughs> is specific to my experience, but maybe it means getting involved in a volunteer organization or um, involved in a cause that you care about, knowing where you want to spend your time and energy, knowing the environments that speak to you, leaning into those interests, um, I think it's really important. I think it's really, really important. And it can be intimidating. It can be scary. It can be hard to know where to start and how to start, but the answers are out there. I promise. And sometimes the answers come when you are in those environments. Even if you don't realize what you're looking for, you'll learn something and you'll be contributing along the way. So after that event was over, I read this note that the author had written to me and this note that the author wrote me um I think sums up in large part probably what many of us younger artists can't see while we're in the thick of this but applies to many of us I'm sure so I just wanted to share he said Dear Fiona, thank you for being part of this. Being with you reminds me of my time in New York as a young artist. They were good, hard, heady days filled with effort, hopes, fears, and friendship. It's good to feel that again. And I think I share that because so often, I, I, I think many of us try to escape those feelings because they're so intense and they can be um, a bit of a roller coaster and it's, it is scary. There are fears, but um, to his point, it's good to feel them. It's good to embrace them. It's good to see where they take you. And with that said, um, 
I want to share a little bit about a creative project that I've been working on called Five Years Unplanned. Um, It's something that I started in the spring and have been working on since. I'm hoping to send it to the printers soon, like this month soon, like it should be done. It's I promised myself it would be done before my birthday and that didn't happen. So there's no time like the present, I guess. You can hold me accountable. I promise. Anyway, if you know me or you have listened to this podcast, you can probably gather that I have never believed in the idea of a five-year plan. And it is very obvious when looking at these pieces of writing. It's basically 50 plus relatively unedited poems, notes, personal entries, lists, emails, and a short story. A lot of random stuff that I wrote between 2017 to 2022, just kind of trying to grasp it all. It also features my photography and it's a whopping 100 pages just about. So um, I'm really excited to share it. I, I feel like it's a good representation of a lot of the feelings I've had over these past five years. And with that said, I kind of want to share the introduction, which is a little scary because um, I've only shown it to close friends and family, but we're obviously doing scary things now. (laughs) Hopefully it will encourage you to check it out once I do finally (laughs) release it. Okay, five years unplanned, thoughts from my shower and other quiet places. Introduction. In the years between 2017 to 2022, I studied abroad, graduated college, moved to New York City, worked as a waitress, a brand ambassador, a nanny, a temporary receptionist, and a cater waiter. I was a barista for one day. I appeared as a TV show extra and helped an older woman scan her photo albums and decorated her Christmas tree two years in a row for $30 an hour the most I ever made at any job. I was unemployed. I wrote a play and hosted a table read. The Winch family band made our much-anticipated debut. I moved to London, home from London, then back to State College, then home again, then bounced around four different apartments in New York City, in the middle of which I moved home for nine months due to the pandemic. We still paid rent on our Upper East Side railroad-style apartment, but didn't feel safe staying in those close quarters. My room there also didn't have a window. Between February of 2020 to April of 2022, the CDC reported 1,116,392 total excess deaths from COVID-19. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. My dad endured a pulmonary embolism from a bout of long COVID and spent a week in the ICU. A long-term relationship ended in those five years. Another one started. I got bangs in between. I stopped auditioning and set my sights on satiating my craving for a stable paycheck and some health insurance. I rotated between wine and margaritas, for my health, of course. I went on a lot of long neighborhood walks. I studied publishing at Columbia. I spent two years living in Brooklyn with two of my best friends. I worked an internship designing and launching ad campaigns for $10 an hour and worked nights at the beloved fitness studio Orange Theory. I got vaccinated. I got covid I cried a lot. Political ideology dominated conversations. I grew more terrified of climate change and more conscious of the mortality of everyone I love. I started freelance writing. I started a podcast. My family started recording an album. 
I entertained my nostalgia for the before times and I tried to plan for a new future. Until that point, I'd never planned for the future, at least not in any long-term capacity. I can be neurotic about the life and death of all my loved ones. I can worry about my theoretical future children getting the chance to know my parents. I can worry about the morality of having theoretical children in the context of our earthly crisis. But I couldn't and wouldn't, for the life of me, come up with a five-year plan. I didn't understand how anyone could possibly anticipate how life will pan out in the course of five years. I know now that most five-year plans come with a contingency subject to change, but the whole process still seems so exhaustive and potentially disappointing, I didn't bother to put myself through it, as though the lack of a plan would prevent me from being devastated by the loss of what I subconsciously envisioned for myself. It's true. Most of us could never have anticipated what occurred in the course of those five years. But late nights with my roommate sunken into our couch prove I could spend an eternity in reflection. Reflection for reflection's sake has felt good. But reflection in the hopes of a different outcome retroactively has proved rather unproductive. It's a fine line. Okay. <laughs> that was a mouthful, but... um. I think maybe you see the point. <sighs> Looking back at these five years um, has been really cathartic. Just just actually outlining what has happened. Um, and you'll have to read the rest to find out whether or not I still don't believe <laughs> in a five-year plan. Um, no, I'm kidding, but but not really. Anyway, why am I sharing all this? Great question. Um, I've had a lot of friends either quit jobs recently, jobs that they were at for a short period of time or for years. I've had friends um, have a lot of consistent success in their careers and are now... Um, a little bit uncertain about what the future holds and I have been there a million times and that's why I started this podcast in the first place was to talk about these decisions these these hard years of figuring out what to do and how to do it and it's so funny because for all the people I know who are kind of going through it right now I can look at them and be like, I know that you're going to figure it out. Like, I know you're going to be fine. But it's hard to feel that way when you're the one experiencing it. And, and I totally understand that. So I just, I encourage all forms of expression, whatever means of expression you need to feel that for yourself. I, I mean, that has been a really rock solid solution for me, even when shit is really hitting the fan. And that can be in the form of contribution. What are you putting out into the world? What are you participating in? Um, even if you can't see what the outcome may be, what the reward may be, what are you choosing to spend your time doing? What environments are you putting yourself in? What can you do just because it's something you feel compelled to do without even any kind of reward or intended outcome 
involved. Just do it. Just go for it. I think bottom line now, I feel the most confident in time um, and in patience and in finding means of self-expression. As I actually, I saw this comedy show over the weekend. Um, It was a birthday present from my boyfriend. We went to see Mike Burbiglia at his show at Lincoln Center. And if you're not familiar, he's a comedian. He's he's great. Um, and his, his comedy shows are very much more like um, solo performances. It's not strictly stand-up. It's kind of like a longer-form joke storytelling uh, format. And he talked about his journal at one point, and he, he said that, which I, co- I agree with, he said that his journal has kind of acted like his own personal novel and he can look back and see what the main character is doing and kind of course correct because he's looking at his life through the lens of this journal rather than just like thinking about it conceptually. And I really like that. And I really think that's kind of what this project has done for me. It's, um, it's given me the opportunity to look back rather like a little bit more objectively um and kind of let that inform next steps so anyone who's feeling kind of either burnt out or stuck or unsure of what's to come um i just want to encourage patience and and talking talking about it talk about it to whoever you trust whoever um your loved ones, whoever is a good listener, I guess. Um, Because I feel like my friends have often asked me questions that I didn't think to ask myself. And having those conversations and being able to envision things or think about things or learn about things that you might not have been exposed to before, that's that's really the heart of it. That's where you you discover things that might appeal to you that you wouldn't have thought of previously. In any case, I look forward to sharing more conversations with people who either are at their crossroads or have um, chosen a path that they're exploring or have embarked on an entirely new and unexpected journey. Um, That's just my favorite conversation, if you can't tell at this point. So more to come. Thank you all for your patience and for joining me today. If you're traveling this week, please get home safe or wherever your destination may be. Happiest of holidays to all and I will see you in the new year. This has been Fiona Winch on Thoughtful Intentions.